0: Good morning, everybody. Glad to see you're here today. Is it the first day of fall yet, or we're close, right? A couple hours? I thought it was the 21st. Tuesday. Tammy is adamant about it being Tuesday. Savor those last less than 48 hours of summer. summer's finally gone. Yes. <laughs> so before we get started, Miss um, Tammy's going to come up, and she has something for... All of us. I'm not going to say kids anymore because we all benefit from these teachings. So welcome, Tammy, to the stage. Do you need a... Did you bring any food?
1: No, I don't have any. You're the second person that asked me if I brought food today. <laughs> I brought food for our spirit. How's that? There you go. But no actual food that you're you know you can eat. Chocolate. No chocolate, no chips, no Reese cups. Maybe soon. There might be food coming soon, though, so just hang on. All right. Today, we're going to talk about things that we can do to keep us clean. So I'm going to read 2 Timothy 2.21. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Okay, well, this is what I came up with. I've got some things that we can use to clean ourselves. So, if I wanna brush my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> but it's clean, it's never been used, I, I, I promise. So, can I brush my teeth with it? So, what do I use this for? My back? Well, that might work better than my teeth, right? But what do we really use it for? My least favorite job in my house requires this. I hate that job. Hate it. All right, but we don't want to use this for our teeth, not even if it's new. It'd be kind of hard to get it in there anyway, wouldn't it? All right, well, let me see. I got something else in here. This. Can I use this for my teeth? Yeah, it, it would hurt, wouldn't it? That's kind of hard to get in there, too, isn't it? I mean, unless you got a really big mouth, it's not going in mine. Can maybe do the front, but huh? You can
2: angle
1: it well, and then I might not get it out so easy, right? Yeah,
2: it's not going to get anything off. It's going to hurt
1: you. Yeah, it's going to probably make me bleed a little bit, don't you think? All right, so what do I what do I do with this? Hair. My hair, right? Keep my hair all neat and tidy. All right, well, so this isn't for our teeth either. Hmm, let me see what else I have in here. I think this might be it. Right? Hmm? It's It's in the name? Brush, tooth, brush. All right, so when we use this thing, and my dentist recommended that I use one with that little round thing, so that's what this is. Um, we put toothpaste on it and we just, this one goes by itself. Ella thinks it's the funniest thing ever when you brush your teeth with one of these. So you just put your toothpaste on here and you turn it on and you just brush in there and you get all of the food and all of that residue out of there that's been in there all day. And it keeps your breath fresh, right? That's what its job is. Each of those things has... One job. Now, we could maybe find something else to use them from. Like Rodney said, I could maybe scrub my back with that toilet bowl brush, but there are brushes for that too. So we don't even have to use the toilet bowl for that, brush bowl for that. But now, suppose I want to clean this. Suppose I want to keep this part of me clean, my heart. Oh. That one i'm going to need Jesus good answer shelby i'm going to need Jesus to do that aren't I so now, I have a dictionary that's going to isn't that going to tell me about jesus under j under <laughs> j Jesus might be in there under j well, suppose I looked up heart, do you think it's going to tell me how To keep it clean? It's probably going to tell me what a heart is, but it's not really going to tell me what I need to do to keep it clean. So any other ideas? About this. My handy-dandy Bible, right? It's got all of the ways that I'm going to need... To keep myself clean for God in it. And it's got the answers to all of my problems right in here in this book. All I have to do is know where to find them and look them up. And sometimes you don't even have to know where to find them. Sometimes it's just opening it up. Have you ever just randomly opened up your Bible? I do it a lot just to see where I land, (laughs) you know. Just to see what maybe God thinks I need today. So, the next time you're not sure how to keep yourself clean, because I think we're all pretty clean, I think we all do a pretty good job of keeping ourselves clean. But you never know. Sometimes that sin sneaks in and that old devil gets a hold of you, and you just have to remember this right here. This is the answer. Thanks, guys. my toilet
0: bowl brush for you. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Last week this table was square, so something's going on. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you, Tammy, again for, for sharing and um, what a powerful and very true statement that is that we can't get clean without knowing God. We can't completely get, get clean. part of that is knowing who he is, and that is reading the word. We carry around the big Bibles, but that doesn't do us any good. It might give us a little bit more strength in whatever arm we're carrying it. But if we're not opening up and reading it, it's really not doing a whole lot more than that. So listen, we're starting another series called Jesus 2020. Just to throw his name into the mix. I'll leave it at that. In case you didn't know, well, first of all, our text is going to be from John three fourteen through 17. Um, we're going to be reading that shortly, but that's where we're coming from. And this is a multi-campus sermon series. Pastor Waller authored this. I've corrected all of his mistakes and ready to go with mine. He doesn't listen to the podcast, so he'll never know I said that. But we, uh, he's, he started this, and I asked if we could do it as well. It's just a timely um, series for us, especially with, with the uh, times that we're in right now. And uh, I don't take his stuff word for word. I do add whatever the Lord puts on my heart to it. Um, but we are 44 days away from another presidential election. Many people say this is the most important election we'll ever have. I think we say that every year, and every year it actually feels that way. So it it seems like a very important part of our 2020 extravaganza that we have to deal with in 44 days. There's no doubt that there is a lot on the table if you are astute and you've been following the candidates. There are two candidates running, in case you didn't know, And they are so close on all the issues, it's really hard to make a determination. The fact is they're so far apart, so far apart, almost like if one says the sky is blue, the other one's going to say it's green just to be different. It's really sad. But I guess it makes it easier for some to pick or choose. And I'm not going to ask you who you vote for. That is honestly between you and the Lord. And I do want to encourage you, though, that we need we need to vote. Christians need to vote. Now, the reason why there's not a whole lot of teachings about that directly in Scripture is, is very plain and obvious. They didn't have to, they could not vote. They were under the thumb in the New Testament of the Roman Empire. And no, I don't want to shuffle that song. Thank you. I don't know how Siri did that. What was I saying? <laughs> That's the second time Siri, I mean, I said it again. <laughs> has messed with me. I'm, I'm gonna disable that right now because that might happen again. So just talk amongst yourselves for a minute. Tell everybody who you're gonna vote for. No, don't do that. <laughs> I don't want you to do that at all. Donald Duck, Donald Duck. well, okay. Siri is is no longer with us, so. So what was I saying? Totally got it. Oh, yeah. Well, back in the New Testament, they didn't, they didn't have the power to vote, or there probably would have been something in there. They were just under the rule of thumbs of the of law from the Roman Empire and their own people. But we, in this country at least, so far, we are able to choose... Who leads us and that puts a big burden on us we need to take it for what it's worth don't take it lightly we need to vote the lines are clearly drawn in this so I say to you today if you haven't registered yet please do that and please look at the issues and please look at those who you would vote for In Warren County in person Um, Early voting has been available since Friday at 9 a.m., and it continues Monday through Friday at the Office of the Elections of Voter Registration, which is off of 15th Street in Front Royal. Uh, Warren County voter registration will also be open on Saturday, October 24th, and Saturday, October 31st from nine to five. You can get all of that if you go on Warren County's uh, webpage. They'll have it right there. You can do the same thing on Front Royal. It's right there in front of you. The deadline to register to vote or update an existing registration is Tuesday, October 13th. So that's coming up sooner than you think. And the deadline to request an absentee ballot, should you want to do that, is Friday, October 23rd. Your request must be received by the Registrar's Office by 5 p.m. Again, all of that is online. So why is, why is our church talking about this stuff? Because it's important. Picking our leaders is something we have the privilege of doing for now. And as Christians, we need to really take hold of that and vote for whoever God is putting on your heart. And I would say pray. And I would say use wisdom to, to, to discern between the two. With all of that, I want to tell you and clarify the church is, what the church is focused on. The goal, the focus, the priority, the necessity of the church is to do one thing. Bring others into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because everyone is a child of God. No matter what candidate you despise, they are a child of God. And God wants to have a relationship with every one of his children. The enemy, the true enemy, wants to keep them out of that relationship. The church's job is to stand in that gap and reach out. We do this just by being kind to our neighbor, by meeting needs in the community, and when they And when they ask why you're being so nice, and they will ask why, because in today's day and age, it is not typical to have somebody do something nice without some quid pro quo attached to it. So when they do ask, we have an opportunity to tell them exactly why we are helping them. 2020 has been... One of the most strangest, frustrating, unique, challenging in so many ways. Just convoluted, hard to put words to it. And it's, it's unlike anything we have ever seen before. It's different. We, people compare it to the past, but this, this is something totally different. It's frustrating. Kids are frustrated. Parents are Frustrated with schools. We're frustrated because there's some things that we just can't do right now. Not just church. There's businesses that can't I work for a company. We're frustrated there. Um it's frustrating. And she agrees with me. Well we started the year off, you know, pretty pumped, like we always do. Everybody counts down. I wonder what the countdowns are gonna be like this year. <laughs> For when we get the 2021, I don't know if people are gonna shout for joy or just be so like cautiously optimistic. Like five, four, three, two, two, one. Like like when uh, the year 2000, right? Everybody was like on edge because the whole world's gonna explode because computer programmers didn't know what they were doing back then. Sorry guys, you didn't. You didn't use enough. Uh... Yeah. Anyway, I won't go there. <laughs> but anyway, it's it's crazy. And what we started this year we're welcoming 2020. Everybody's cheering in the streets. Everything's great. Oh, you know. We started here in this church. We started with a building fund shortly before that, which is still growing, thank you. We have not forgotten about that. We started with plans on ministries to expand them and do things a little bit different, and within a couple months that all just came to a screeching halt. Personally, you guys had plans for yourselves, for your family, maybe a new job, maybe you wanted to explore a new career, maybe go back to school, maybe whatever it was, you had plans that just had to be put on hold. Vacations, moving, I feel I need to apologize to you because whenever Akineros get together to plan something fun for themselves, (laughs) like family vacations, we always hesitate and I'm, I'm being serious because it just never works out. And we've been trying to get the kids you know, to do, we're, we're gonna have a, a big vacation at some point this year. So we planned one for May. That was back in December of last year. And we, we told each other we would not say it's a vacation because the more we spoke it, the more it gave life and the more we knew that it would be squashed somehow. We never imagined that our planning would have caused everything that happened. So (laughs) I truly am sorry for that. But seriously, things just got messed up. We managed to get a couple small vacations in. Um, We took my parents down to uh, Virginia Beach. First time they've been there. and My dad and I pedaled. You ever see those bikes? I'm getting way off here. Those things you can drive around. You know the little cars, and you pedal them. They look, Everybody looks so happy in there. Well, my dad and I, <laughs> my dad and I went um, to get one. We were gonna, you know, just hey, that's the three of us. Michelle was on the beach. She was smart. She went on the beach. So we we got it. My dad and I walked there and gave the guy the money, and we got in there. And that is the hardest thing to pedal in the world. And my mom didn't want to pedal because, you know, she wasn't, you know, her feet, she has problems with her feet, so that's fine. So but my dad and I, we, we were just looking at each other like, dear Lord, this is, my knees still hurt from that day. I, it, it really does. So we didn't last long. The guy says, you have it for, what, an hour or so? We were back in 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> so anyway, that was our beach uh, trip. <laughs> But here we are, and what was supposed to be over in the matter, matter of weeks has now lasted this long, and it's going to last longer. I told you it's going to last through the election at least. My feeling is, depending on who wins, will determine how quickly we come out of it. It's just been crazy. It just seems just crazy. Now there's 44 days in front of us, and we have a couple options. We have a couple options how we treat these next 44 days. We can enter the fray. We can roll up our sleeves and enter the scuffle with everybody else. We can easily engage in the tit-for-tat on social media if we choose to. We can name, call, and attack each other with the best of them. There's a scripture in Proverbs that says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. In this day and age, I think it's safe to also add that death and life are also in the power of the fingertips that are used to frantically post on social media. Yes, you can do that. You can fight to win arguments on our phones with people you probably will never meet. We can type the perfect response and feel like there is no way that somebody can argue this. It is perfectly logical and truth. And lo and behold, someone does argue with the same confidence you had. But when we take that approach, when we we roll up our sleeves like I'm doing because I can't stand sleeves. And my daughter-in-law said, well, why do you wear long sleeves? I said, I don't know. But when we roll up our sleeves and dig in and get into that mess that's out there right now and start, it it never ends well. It just gets you frustrated. Two things can happen when I guarantee will happen to you. Number one, you will convince nobody of what you're saying, even if what you're posting is 100% true and fact-checkable. With fact-checking is irrelevant, too, because everybody has their own place to fact-check, and they don't add up. It's a mess, y'all. It It is. Number two, your blood pressure will go up. Your patience will be lost and you'll be asking God for forgiveness for all those thoughts that were going on through your head as you were posting. Or we have another option. We can choose not to attack. We can choose not to name call or shame or bash anybody. And you say, well, but that makes us look weak. We're just supposed to take that We're just supposed to cower? It's not what I'm saying at all. Yeah. It makes us look as weak as Jesus looked when he hung on the cross and asked the Father to forgive the very ones who put him there. That so-called weakness ushered in the power to bring eternal life to all of us. He could have fought. He could have commanded the angels to pull him off there. He could have walked up and slapped everybody that nailed him to the cross. We wouldn't be here talking about eternal life if that were happening. There was more power in him taking that position of dying for the people who put him there to bring the type of power that we have today and that we can claim eternal life with. And I would think the goal of any of our discussions really would be to walk away with having honored the Lord in what we said. I am not perfect in that, trust me. There are plenty of times I've started typing something out and had to stop myself, thankfully. I think we should have discussions that bring honor to the Lord and, and keep our testimony of his saving grace intact instead of people wondering, but you say you're a Christian, I just looked at your profile and you go to this church, how could you say these things? They do that. And we need to be aware of that. And we need to have that same kind of patience and attitude that Jesus had when people were trying to destroy him. And it's not easy. I'm telling you, it's not. Now, I'm not saying Christians shouldn't campaign. I'm not saying that you should not be involved in politics. We had people in this room that have run a candidacy and won and been elected. There's nothing wrong with that. I I would encourage everybody, if you have any passion at all to do that, do it. I'm not suggesting that you or I should remain silent on any of the issues. There are many of them. What I'm saying is more important than representing your presidential candidate and what he or she stands for is representing Jesus, the Savior, and what he stands for and what he has done for us. So feel free to go ahead and put things on front on your front lawn, on who you support. There's nothing wrong with that. Contribute to a campaign financially if you want to. Go door to door, get the bumper stickers for your cars and trucks and whatever else you're driving. Wear your hats, wear your t-shirts. There's nothing wrong with that. More than the same president for four more years, or a new president for the next four years, our nation, more than ever, our community, our church, you and me, everyone and all, we need Jesus like never before. That's just the bottom line. Our nation, our state, our county, our town can't keep on ignoring him and expect everything to be okay. We can't just pull him out of the genie bottle. Okay, we're in a pickle now. We need help. We can't keep blaspheming him and his holy name. In other words, treat the name of God just like any other name and any other importance. We can't do that and expect our lives and our nation to be blessed. It's just not going to work. Read, read the Old Testament. It didn't work for God's chosen people. And time and time again, they ignore God. Why? Because things were going well. We tend to ignore God the most when things are going in our favor. What we don't realize is we still need him even in our best day. We tend to forget that. Because things go smooth, at least in our eyes. Then they would start cursing God when things didn't go. They'd say, God, why did you bring this to us? Read the New Testament too. The Jewish leaders at the time, they were not serving God. They were serving themselves. They're wondering why Jesus had to come and Jesus had to deliver some pretty tough lessons to them directly because of what they were doing. We as a nation, we have forgotten God. The Pew Research Center telephone survey conducted in 2018-2019 said that 65% of American adults describe themselves as Christians when asked about the religion, down 12% over the past decade. 65% is still a big number. If you're in a country and 65% of you are Christians, that's a majority. That's a big number. But you and I know that saying you are a Christ follower, meaning you actually follow instructions that Jesus left with us, hint, hint, you love your neighbor, and saying you are a Christ follower and being a Christ follower, they're two completely different things. We may have read the Bible, but we have, have we ignored the teachings? It's, it's fun to read verses that uplift. It's fun to read all the verses, verses that talk about all the blessings we are going to get. It's more difficult to read verses when they really look. It's like, it's like God sees my soul. He, sees, he does. That's the whole point of the Bible. All those things. We have to read. We have to get the teachings. We have to live them out. We know there is just one God. Have we welcomed other godlike things into our lives? We need to come back to our first love. The word revival would make some sense here, but I hesitate to use it because what we call revivals don't last. Now, please hang with me on this. The root word of revival is revive, which indicates something is dead to begin with and something needs to be brought back to life. I think we all get that. I have good news for you. Revival began over 2,000 years ago when God sent his son, Jesus. We don't need to pray for God to bring revival. It's already here. He has already done it. Have we forgotten though? Have we forgotten what that power was? All that being said, we are human and we do get to a place where we need to be revived because this world will wear us out. We need to be refreshed. It can come from a church service. It can come from praying in your car. It can come from reading his word. It could come just from talking with other Christians and finding out, I need some help here. We simply get back in line with the revival that is already here. We need to come back to him. The church needs to come back to him. Our nation, our world needs to come back to him. He is always and forever. We are the ones that stray. I think what we really need is endurance. Endurance to stand when things get tough and when things get rough. We need to learn to worship when there is no song playing, when there is no singer singing. We need to know God's word even when there is no preacher preaching his heart out. Why? Because the world and the enemy will distract us with things that instantly gratify us. Let's face it, when we get weary, you know, we try to do something to pick ourselves up. For some of us, that's eating a bowl of ice cream. When you're just having a bad day, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But, but the enemy likes to take advantage of that. He likes to take advantage of those voids in your life and those times when you're down. <laughs> After the uh, great urban revivals of the 1880s in the United States, it wasn't long before the mood of the country really changed. And outside of the church, it was the era of radio, movies, and the jazz age. World War I led to a moral letdown in the Roaring Twenties. When that era came out, came to an abrupt end in October 12, 1929, following the Great Depression there was surprisingly little interest in revival anymore. Those things came, and those things distracted. The one thing that disrupts us happens to be one of the enemy's greatest tools, and that is distraction. He can pull your eye, your heart, away from the things of God with, with shiny little things that he can dangle in front of you. Not saying that all those things are wrong, but if it pulls you away, from your relationship with God, yes. We get distracted. We forget about our mission. We forget who we are. It's no different today. Much more distraction, though. Much more. Too much distraction. It quietly pulls us away from the things God has in store for us, and we end up settling on the things that have caught our eye and then we end up feeling like we're dead inside and cry out for revival, but revival never ceased to exist. We just turned away from it. Distraction is is very difficult for us humans. Because we do. I mean, let's face it, all, all you with the little ones, and you're gonna have a little one, and we have a little grandson. When they're crying, you do everything you can to get them to stop, make weird faces and, you know, whatever going to get them to laugh instead of cry, you are going to do just to get them out of the, whatever mood they're in into something else, right? right? Do silly things, crazy things, act like a fool in front of everybody, and they're, <laughs> but they don't understand because this, this baby has been crying for 10 minutes straight and I don't care what I have to do to get them smiling again, I'm going to do it. We, dis- they- we distract them from whatever's bothering them. We're no different as adults. We, we like to get distracted in-, in more adult things, though, right? Maybe it's just buying whatever we feel like buying, no matter what we have on our bank account, because it's going to make us happy. And it will for about an hour. And that's about it. There's all kinds of things that get us distracted, and the enemy loves to do that with us. We saw this happen... With God's chosen in the wilderness. This very thing. You see the Lord brought them out of bondage. You know most of you know the story from Egypt. Moses led them. They were in the desert. They had a straight shot to paradise. It didn't take long for them to ruin that for themselves. In Numbers 21 starting in verse 4. As they were traveling through the wilderness on the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. It says, Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Or, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey, which they brought on themselves. And when they began to speak against God and Moses... They said, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness, they complained. There is nothing to eat here, which most kids tell their parents all the time. We have nothing to eat with a closet full of food. I was guilty of that. We always, there's nothing to eat. There's nothing to eat or drink. And we hate this horrible manna. Now. God's up there seeing them do this, say this stuff. What has he just done? He got them out of a situation where they all would have been slaves for life and probably dead before their time. And their generation would have been snuffed out within a few hundred years. And their their lineage would have been snuffed out. He tells them, he picks them out of that. Not only did he, when they left Egypt, you got to understand that they didn't go empty handed. God loaded them up with all kinds of riches. Anything they could take. They were wealthy when they left. Their their situation improved dramatically. And then they got to the Red Sea, and they thought, I mean, they got to the, yeah, the sea, and they thought they were going to die, and, and all of a sudden Moses comes up, splits the sea, and they go walking across it. Everything, everybody that was coming at them was destroyed, and there they are. You can say, wow, that's just amazing. How would you ever forget that? They forgot. And then when they were hungry, God provided this thing called manna. It, it it came up every morning, and they had to take it up, and they had to get rid of it by the end of the day. They had to eat it all, or it would go bad. I like I've told you before, you've heard some of you heard me say this. I pictured that manna is a Twinkie, because it just when I was a kid, I always pictured Twinkies. Just everybody picking up Twinkies in the morning because they're so delicious, or they used to be. But they had all this, and God provided this for them, and they knew it, and now that they're complaining, and they're not even a couple years into this. They have a long way to go. And God's like, really? If you were a parent, right, and you did all this stuff for your kids, and it's like, well, I remember this one time, my dad probably won't remember, but when I was younger, I was probably like, we had just moved to New Hampshire, and we were living on the top side of the house, and I remember dad was making breakfast one morning, and He's making pancakes, and he put mine on a plate. And I looked at it, and I've never done this ever again to anybody. But I looked at it, and it was a little burnt. And I said, these are burnt. He took it, he threw it in the garbage, and I think I cried. And, but, but he was making me food, and all I had to complain about, it probably wasn't even burnt. It was probably just crispy on the edges. But that was the last time I did that. But God's sitting there going, like, I, I saved you. I called you my own. I'm sending you to a promised land paradise, and you're complaining about what you brought on yourself? You're complaining about food that I brought down from heaven that nobody else will ever taste? And you're you're complaining about all this? They complained. They were arrogant in their ways. You have to be arrogant to say, God, you know, God, we're getting sick of this manna. We want something else. How about some burritos or Taco Bell? They complained. They were arrogant. We think we've outgrown our need for a God when things don't go our way. Things aren't going their way, so they're like, God, is, you've done a lot, but you, you're, you're not helping us now. We really need something. And we get that way, too. Sometimes we think, you know, things, well, I need something else. I need something else. Hey, buddy. I, I love the kids here, so don't ever hesitate or be uncomfortable if they're making noise, screaming or whatever. I can talk over them. <laughs> but I love to hear that sound. That's, that's the sound of a healthy church right there when you have the young ones. So they speak against him and they complain about him and his word and his people. And honestly, sometimes we do too. God, how come we're in this mess? How come this a uh, person running for office is running for office i'm not going to mention names how come all this is happening to us how come how come we need to get back to jesus we need we need to get back in alignment with the revival that started over 2000 years ago we don't need to create a new revival no man can create a new revival. There was only one, and it exists, and it's still here. We just have to join into it, and we have to introduce that to others. You want, if, if somebody's complaining about where they are, so it's like you want your life to change, let me tell you about something that happened 2,000 years ago just for you. So these people complained to Moses, so God did something kind of weird and I'm almost done. God sent poisonous snakes to start biting them. I've seen the movie Snakes on the Plain. This is Snakes on the Wilderness. God sent poisonous snakes to start biting them. Well, that's pretty harsh. I don't think so. After everything he's done and they're complaining about the manna. That's like complaining. It's like, oh, All I have every night is steak. It's just so, I need something else. So God's like, you know what? These guys are gonna bite you. And some of them died. And in their calamity and in their crisis at the moment, they repent. Today, September 19th, 2020 in America. Today's the 20th. Today, I wrote that yesterday to think ahead. Today, September 20th, 2020. That's a lot of 20s. 20, 2020 in America. There's division. That's, un, that's even not a good enough word. There is hatred and bitterness. Rampant. There's violence. This is in America. Murder and slaughter of unborn babies. Brother against brother. Just watch 20 minutes Of a news channel you'll be sick to your stomach and you will see just the state that we are in in this country to stop this this calamity and crisis in our time the answer is the same repent after the some of them were bitten in the wilderness God said Moses I want want you to do something for me I want you to make a snake out of bronze and place it high on a pole. And those who were bitten, if they will look at it, look at that pole, that thing that I asked you to build, if they look at that, they'll be healed. Well, that seems weird though, right? You know, make a snake thing and hang it up there. And, and if they look at it, it's strange until we read our text today from John 3:14. In the New Living Translation, it says, this is Jesus talking. Jesus said, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Okay, it's kind of making sense now. The bronze snake on the pole represented the rebellion of the people. That's what it was. Your rebellion against God now hangs on a pole. Our problem today is the same. We've rebelled against God. We have sinned and we have transgressed the law of God. Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So nobody's exempt from this. Romans 3.23 says for everyone has sinned. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is what? That's the price. That's what it costs. If you want to sin, then your cost is death. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We need a cure. We need a solution. We need an antidote for our sin. And it is found in that same passage. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We could keep reading that over and over again. It's never going to change. It also goes on It says, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He didn't come here to sit here and focus on all of your sin. He didn't come here and say, you're guilty of this, you're guilty of that, you're guilty of that, and just leave you hanging there. He said all those things. He says, but I can free you of that. We need this revival. This country needs this revival. Our world needs it. Let's make these next 44 days all about Jesus. What does that mean? He almost made it. I was egging him on, so it didn't help. These next 44 days need to be about Jesus. What does that look like? What does that mean? Well, it might mean backing out of trying to get into a hostile conversation with somebody who will never listen to you in the first place and instead close your phone and just pray for that person, even if you don't know them. You're not going to change anybody's thinking. You're not. I know some of you are pretty good at arguing, but there are people that are just not going to be swayed. The only thing that's going to change thinking like that is the Lord. That's what we need to be. We need to be the church. We need to pray for our nation, for our town, for our church, and everybody that we see. That's going to do more in the next 44 days than anything else we could ever do. Amen.
2: So let's stand together. I know it's been a little long for the kids. Thank you for your patience. But I really don't want us to miss this opportunity to pray together that we love because God first loved us. And we live like Jesus because Jesus loves us. And I just don't want to miss that opportunity to pray that together. All right? let's pray I told him he can come up here and help me dismiss so we're gonna pray and then you can help me okay come here. let's close our eyes dear Heavenly Father Lord in this moment this is between us and you Lord you ask us to repent And only we can do that. There isn't any sermon or worship song or anything that can cause us to repent. We have to choose that. Just choose that right now for yourselves. Pray it out loud. Pray it in your mind. Lord, search our heart. Clean our heart. Lord, with so much going on, all the distractions of this world, Lord, it's so focused on politics. Lord, we just want to take our face, turn it towards you, turn our hearts towards you, because nothing's going to change of who you are, no matter who's ruling in this country. God, I pray that you just fill us with your wisdom, your knowledge, and your discernment with every decision that we are faced with. Lord, I pray that The revival starts in our own heart because we surrender to the Holy Spirit. We are led by your Spirit, the gift that you gave us on the day that your Son died on a cross. Lord, that's how we are a light. That's how we live like your Son. Let that start with the church and let it just spread throughout. We thank you and praise you for your grace and mercy and forgiveness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. We are going to have the fun job of dismissing. Jackson's going to help me. So can you point to that section right there? Point. Point (laughs) this section here. Um, everyone else if you can just remain in your seats till we get to your section. If everyone can please exit to the door, we'll be outside to talk with you. Say bye. Say bye, Jackson. Say thank you. Say bye. Say bye. Say bye. Who sees me there? Say
1: bye.